comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundance life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. So since you are God's dear children, you must try to be like him. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. God. And I must be like him. Yeah. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I want is to be like him. All through life's journeys. From earth to glory. All I want is to be like him. That was a songwriter who wrote that beautiful song. All I want is to be like him. And there's no better way to be like God than to walk in love. There's no better way to be like God than to walk in love. There's no better way. The ultimate of your likeness like God is your love walk. When you are not in love, you are not in God. Why? Because God is love. And he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God. So when you are not in love, you are not in God. When you are not in love, you are not in God. If the natural habitat you dwell in is a habitat of bitterness, unforgiveness, offenses, pride, you are not in love. May your residential address change. Amen. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? amen? Until you begin to operate in love, nothing works. Nothing works. Business does not work. Marriage does not work. Relationship does not work. Nothing works. But the moment you are in love, everything begins to work. Everything. Why? Because Romans 8, 28, it said, and we know, not we think, and we know. Somebody say, and we know. know. All things work together. Everything works when we are in love. Everything works when we are in love with God. When we are in love with God, everything works. But when our love with God is not tested, proven, and tried, nothing will ever work. Faith is the greatest key that you need to live a triumphant life. But even faith is at the mercy of love. He said, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything. But faith, which worketh by love. Everything works. Business works. Ministry works. Family works when love is in place. And I pray that as I bring this session of our love journey to a closure, a fresh love will be birthed in your heart. I told you from the initial stages that the capacity to love is already in you. All you need to do is to take a decision that I'm going to manifest it. I'm not going to walk in enmity. I'm not going to walk in hatred. I'm not going to walk in bitterness. I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness. I am making a choice today to walk in love. And when we walk in love, there are things that must accompany our lives. There are certain things that when you walk in love, they are naturally part of your life. One of them is kindness. Somebody say kindness. When you are in love, you are kind. When you speak about people, you speak kind words about them. When you think about people, you think kind thoughts about people. You don't 
use your wealth to take advantage of people. You demonstrate the God kind of love to people. That's what people who are in love do to one another. You can't claim to love your wife and perpetually you keep on using words that makes her feel demeaned. Words that makes her feel that she's nobody. Words that makes her feel like she's a doormat. That is not love. That is bondage. That's molestation. When you are in love, you uplift people. Your words uplift people. Your words build people up. Am I communicating to somebody at all? It's the same thing. When you are in love, you are kind. When you are in love, you are patient with people. All of us are not the same. There are people who are slow learners. There are people who are fast learners. There are people who take time to be able to appreciate things. And you must learn to be patient with people. Praise God. I said that if you don't learn to be patient in life, you will end up becoming an impatient in a hospital. You have to learn to be patient. Life is not a sprint race. Life is a marathon. And you need time. The Bible said, be ye followers of them who through faith and patience obtain promises. This is a faith generation. We want everything fast and now. But God is a God of process. God is a God of order. And I pray that he will grant you the patience to go through your faith. Then we say love is not envious. Somebody say love is not envious. That one has been exhausted. Then we came to love is not proud. Somebody say love is not proud. Proud is the thing that the temptation, the commonest temptation we all face. is the thing that can secretly find its way in your heart and you will not even know it. Because the dwelling place of pride is in the heart of man. It expresses itself in many ways. But the habitation of pride is rooted in your heart. Praise God. That's where you are looking for pride, you can find it. Why must pride not be given a place in your life? Because it destroys. Somebody say it destroys. Pride destroys people. Nobody excels with pride. Everybody faced with pride. Anybody who becomes anything in life never became it out of pride. Everybody who becomes somebody significant becomes that person through humility. The Bible said, by humility and honor are riches, long life and prosperity. Pride. Pride is deadly. Praise God. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So having examined the dangers of pride, having walked you through the diagnosis of pride last week, today I want to focus on deliverance from pride. And I'm looking at three Ds. We did diagnosis. We did dangers and then we are doing deliverance. Somebody say deliver yourself. You see, when it comes to pride, nobody can deliver you. You have to deliver yourself. And I pray that as the word of God comes to us, we deliver ourselves. How can we deliver ourselves from pride? Three major keys. One is the fact that never underestimate the dangers associated with pride. Don't. Don't. When you underestimate the dangers associated with pride, you, you make room for it. You make room for it. When people tell you you are proud, you, you actually stand in defense instead of crying. Praise God. Sometimes you are proud and you don't know it. And God sometimes can use people who are above you to let you know it. And when you are told, it is, if you are not proud, you actually be humble to go and work on it. But the proud will actually rise in defense that he's not proud. Yeah. When you are really proud, you will actually rise in defense when you are told you are not proud. Praise God. 
So, don't underestimate it. Somebody say, don't underestimate it. There are a lot of people who will never admit they are proud. And every action they've taken for the past 24 hours is an action that explains pride, dito, dito. But they will not admit it. And so, apart from just seeing the dangers associated with it, you must be ready to admit it. Admit it. Somebody admit it. Yeah, the Bible says, whosoever covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh shall obtain mercy. Admit it. The moment you are told, you admit it. And then, immediately, you begin to work on it. So, first of all, don't underestimate it. Somebody say, don't underestimate it. Somebody used to live in heaven. He used to die and wine with God. Pride entered his heart. He was cast down. Man was planted in a very beautiful garden. There was nothing that was lacking in the garden. Pride sent man out of the garden. A woman married a man who was a president of the world at the time. Pride made him divorce her in the, broad, in the eyes of everybody, in the eyes of 120 provinces. The woman was sat in broad daylight. The women sometimes can look at their husband and tell them, the greatest regret I made in my life is to marry something like you. That's the greatest regret I've made. Now, woman, thank you. But after this regret, God will make sure that you don't have that kind of regret again. So you are going to be single for life. Don't underestimate it. Somebody say, don't underestimate it. Number two, stay continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, tongue speaking is just one aspect. In fact, it's the beginning of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. When you are born again and you are filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you have just started the journey. You must stay continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the spirit that empowers, is the spirit of love. The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. Of love and of a sound mind. So when you have the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of love dwelling in you, and that love is not proud, then you can be sure that you have subdued pride already. Am I communicating somebody? When you understand that the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he continuously fills your life. There was no pride in Jesus. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Of his fullness have you all received fullness grace upon grace now when you go to the book of john we are told that he received grace upon grace how could you walk in that dimension of grace humility because god gives grace unlimited grace to the humble but to the proud he resists him you shall not be resisted Amen. i said you shall not be resisted Amen. so stay continuously filled turn to your neighbor and say stay continuously filled Stay continuously filled. Stay continuously filled. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ever filled. Be ever filled. That's why we pray in tongues. That's why we stay in worship. That's why we spend long hours with God in prayer. To be filled again and again. You look at the book of Acts. First, they were filled. Then later on, they prayed earnestly and they were filled again and again, again and again. May you ever be filled with the Holy Spirit. May you ever be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, when you get born again, the first thing you need is not a visa to travel abroad. Yeah, the, the time we live in, people get born again and what they are thinking about is a visa to travel abroad. So we are very shallow in our relationship with God. You get to abroad and your life becomes worse than you were in Ghana. 
Because there is no connection with God. In Ghana, you don't have many temptations. Abroad, you will see wild temptations. And if you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, you will be falling, 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 falling until you are destroyed. That shall not be your testimony. Amen. Somebody says, stay ever filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, I said in first Philippians 2, verse 13 to 14, the Holy Spirit do, does a work in us. Somebody say, he works in us. You remember when Jesus said, he said, when the Holy Ghost is come, he shall be in you. So what does he do in you? He works in you to do the will of God. He said, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my presence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, he said, for it is God which worketh in you. Which God? God, the Holy Spirit, works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Sometimes you have to say sorry. And in the natural, it's very painful on your flesh. But the Holy Spirit will will in you. He will work out in you. By the time you realize you have said it, you are not feeling anything. The Holy Spirit works in you. But when he's not there, you'll be feeling in your head that you are very right. You have to really, I'm showing him, I need to show him that we are not on the same level. Listen, you are not showing anybody. You are the one who is showing yourself. Because by taking that strong stand, God is taking a step back away from you. And if God takes a step back away from you, I wonder how you are going to stand to show somebody. The Bible said, neither give place to the devil. You know, Satan has not got as much place in your life as the space you give him. And one of the things that allows Satan to gain grounds in our lives is when we walk in bitterness, unforgiveness, and offenses. Satan gains advantage. He just comes and comfortably stays around. So things will be messing up and you won't see it. That shall not be your testimony. Amen. I said that shall not be your testimony. Amen. So, the Holy Spirit works in us, and then we work it out. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit works in us. And we work it out. How do we work it out? That is the set point. The, the third point. The third point is that choose consciously a lifestyle of humility. Choose it. Somebody say, choose it. Choose it. You see, in the natural, nobody wants to be walked upon, looked down upon, and uh, brushed aside. Everybody wants to be seen as something. Is that not what it means in the natural? You want people to know that, yeah, I'm a doctor. You want people to know that, hey, I'm a man of God. I'm anointed. You want people to know that you too, you are loaded. You are not poor. You want people to know that, Charlie, you are not an ugly girl at all. Am I communicating somebody? You want people to know, your husband to know that you, he's fortunate to have married somebody like you. I mean, that is what your nature wants. It feeds your pride. But in the kingdom, God demands that we choose humility. Somebody say, choose humility. You see, just as in the natural, you want to, people to know you are great in the kingdom. Let people know you are humble. And when you let people know you are humble, God now takes over and makes you great. Because whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and whosoever shall abase himself shall be exalted. May God exalt your horn like the horn of the Edicom. Choose it. Somebody say, choose it. How do I know we have to choose this? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. First Peter 5, 5 to 6. He says, give me the amplified version. He says, likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers, spiritual guys of the church, giving them respect and yielding to their counsel. Cloth. Somebody say cloth. Uh -huh. Cloth or apron yourselves, all of you with humility. How many of you chose your cloth today? You chose it. Nobody chose it for you. Your husband didn't choose it for you. Your friend didn't choose it for you. 
You chose it yourself. We choose our clothes daily. And you choose it based on the event you are attending. As for humility, the Bible says it's a cloth we should never take off. When you go, yeah, that's, that's what the Bible says. He says, all of you with humility so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. Wear it so that permanently it's on you. Your makeup lasts for 24 hours. Humility must last your lifetime. Am I communicating? That's what the Bible says. Wear it. It should be on all the time. When you are in the office, humility. When you are in church, humility. Everywhere you go, people must know that this is a meek person. Can somebody give me an amen? Amen. Jesus chose it. Our perfect example of humility chose it. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 15, 5 to 11. Let this mind, same attitude, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do the amplified version for me. Let this mind be in you. Somebody say this mind, same attitude. Let this same attitude and purpose, let's read it together. And humble mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in what? Let him be your example in what? Uh-huh. How do we become? Who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grabs or retained. Go ahead. But stripped himself of what? Oh, say it aloud. Stripped himself of what? So as to assume Great. Then the Bible says, after he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself. This is where. Humbling ourselves in the human form is not an easy task at all. When Jesus came as a human being, the Bible says, he humbled himself and became obedient. Somebody say, choose it. Say, it's a choice I have to make. Yeah, nobody humbles you. Usually, when people are humbled by others, they feel even much more disgrace. Praise God. Can you imagine the day that first time, the husband called, they said, I'm not coming. Don't disturb me. I'm not coming. I don't have any time for you. Then the man made a decree, said, Vashti, go and sack her from the, uh, the queen's palace. She's no longer a wife of this place. Two hours ago, she was the queen. 30 minutes ago, she's no longer queen. Can you imagine all the ladies who used to pour the same when she was coming? All of them, they are at the same level. And I'm sure some of them that she used to uh, carry her, throw her weight about. <laughs> Lost it overnight. Lost it overnight. Well, I'll, I'll come there, so don't let me get ahead of myself. Somebody say, be clothed with humility. Now, how do we practically clothe ourselves with humility? If it's a garment we must wear, how do we put it on? Number one, we must be clothed with humility by developing a mindset of humility. Somebody say a mindset of humility. I have never met a proud person who has not got a proud mindset. Proud people are proud in their minds. Pride begins in the mind. They think that they are better than anybody. They think they are most beautiful than anybody. They think they can preach than anybody. They think they are most gifted than anybody. That is where it begins. How you think is how you function and flow in life. 
Why don't you respect the man who came to pay your diary and brought you home and gave you the opportunity to be called a missus? Because you think that you have done him a favor by marrying him. You think that if you have not married him, maybe he will not have been where he is. There's a certain thinking, mindset, that when he controls your life, you can best walk in pride. You can't do anything about it. It just flows naturally from you. In the book of Romans, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7, he said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so easy. You are not different from your thoughts. The way you carry yourself, act, relate to people. Why do you talk to people as if they are monkeys? It's because you think people are monkeys. Yeah, it's because you think people are monkeys. You relate to people and you shout on them as if you are barking on dogs. It's because you think people are dogs. When you think your, your subordinates or people who are working for you, you are helping them. Instead of thinking that it's a mutual help, you treat them anyhow. No be so. You think that they are helping them. My lucky class, my head, if I have not hired you, because I'm the one in the streets. When that mindset is there, it will translate into the way you act your life. You enter the office, and then you meet the, the cleaner at the door. And to even ask him, how are you doing? That one cry, you won't ask, because the cleaner is so low that he's not befitting of your greeting. You see, that is your thinking. Your thinking. That's where it starts from. The Bible said, be transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2 to 3. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, he said, be not conformed. To the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. You've been in church for a long time, but your mind is not renewed. You still think like the world. You still think like an unbeliever. You are not thinking the way of scripture. Listen, when we say somebody has a renewed mind, eh, that person thinks in line with scripture. You bring your thoughts in line with scripture. How do you bring your thoughts in line with scripture? If you are married, you have to think the way scripture says, how does scripture says the husband is the head? So you always see your husband as the head. That's how you think. When you are speaking to him, you are thinking he's the head. When he's provoked you, you are thinking he's the head. Everything he does, you look at him in the lenses of a head. But when you begin to see him in the eyes of somebody who is more scholar, you are more scholarly than, you are more blessed than, you are more rich than, you will shout on him as if he's one of your last bombs. Think. That's how you think. You think. You bring your mind to think. Bible says, forgive. If somebody offends you, how many times? Uh, 70 times, forgive him. So you have to think in that line. You don't think that, okay, me, when you offend me up to this level, I will never talk to you again. That's not scriptural thinking. That's not what? Scriptural thinking. If you are a child of God and there is somebody you don't talk to, there is a problem with your faith. Praise God. I'm not saying somebody who doesn't talk to you. I'm talking about somebody you don't talk to. Yes. People are free to decide they won't talk to you. But there should be nobody you don't talk to as a child of God. Amen. The Bible says, oh no man, nothing but love. Oh no man, nothing. Oh no man, nothing. So develop a mindset. Somebody say a mindset. When you go to verse 3, when your mind is transformed, humility takes over. Verse, verse 3, he said, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. When your mind is renewed, you think soberly. You think soberly. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, think soberly. 
Number two, by esteeming others better than yourself. You have to clothe yourself with humility by esteeming others better than yourself. You see, when you think in a selfish way, you always want the best for yourself. No, we so. A selfish person is always looking for the best for himself. But when you think in a loving way, you always look for the best for others. Am I communicating? Selfish thinking. You put your interest above everybody else. So, when somebody says something bad to you and you feel hurt, wounded by it, you process it, and in a selfish way, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, you pour it out. Why? Because you are thinking you have to let him know that you are better than him. So I will really deal with him. Who does he think he is to talk to me like that? Does he know me? Does he know what I do for a living? Does he know where I stay? Let him bring it. I will deal with him today. You see, you are thinking that he's worth nothing and you are worth something. But the Bible says, if any man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Because the truth of the matter is that no matter who you are, before God you are nothing. That is the truth of the matter. You may not like it, you may feel offended by it, but I say it without any apology. Before God you are nobody. Can somebody give me an amen? Amen. If you are clapping, it shows that you are humble. If your hands are with you, it means you are arrogant. You are nobody. You are nobody. When you come to church, you pocket, you carry yourself. When you go to your office, thank God for your office. You are somebody there. You are the head of the office. But when you stand before God, you better come in a heart of humility and know that set because he can, he can squeeze your heart in a minute and that your somethingness you think you are, you'll be nothing at all. You'll be as useless as a corpse. Praise God. In a second, Herod spoke and they said, you are God. He said, eh? I am God. <laughs> I am God. God looked at him and said, you'll be God and let us see. One man's field brought plenty field, food. And he sat down and said, look at my field, amazing. Look at me, the richest of the richest. Look at my house. Look at my property. Look at my cars. Look at my employees. Nobody like me. I'm going to relax and chill out. God looked at him and said, you are the biggest food that has ever existed. This night, I'm taking over your life. And then the things you are talking about, let's see how you implement it. That's how useless we are as human beings. What gives you value is God. Whom you are connected to. Am I communicating? That's it. That's what gives you value. That's what gives you value. Never look at anybody and think that you are better than any, any, any other person. No. So, esteem yourself. Somebody say, esteem others better than yourself. We have a very beautiful picture of this. Mark chapter 1 verse 4 to 8. Mark chapter 1 verse 4 to 8. In the New Living Translation. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they are turned to God to receive forgiveness from their sins. Verse 5. Let's read it together. One go. Five, please. And all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went to see... Please wait. Oh. John the Baptist is baptizing. Everybody goes there. Everybody in Jerusalem, Judea goes there and they are celebrating John the Baptist. This is the hottest church in town. This is the smartest pastor in town. This is the greatest, the most anointed man of God in town. Look at John. And when they confess their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan. Jerusalem, Judah, everybody goes there. 
Go to verse 6. His clothes were worn from cow, cow's camel hair. He wore a leather belt just around. Go to verse 7. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even ready to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Did you see that? Did you see that? Who was a celebrity at the time? What did he do? He esteemed Jesus greater than himself. Do you know why Jesus spoke and said that of all men born of women, there's no one greater than John? Because the greatest among you will be your servants. That's why Jesus said that. He came out as the greatest because nobody exemplified humility apart from Christ like John the Baptist. At the time, everybody was singing a song. You are a great lawyer, but can you stand when another lawyer is praised? Or can you yourself speak very highly of another lawyer? Can you yourself speak highly of another carpenter? Can you? When you are proud, eh, it should be about you or nobody else. That's a proud person. Yeah. When he's preaching, nobody preaches like him. Everybody else is a bad preacher. He's the fastest preacher. When he's singing, ah, you know, this choir, the day I drop the mic, that's the, the choir is over. See, there's, there's a certain mindset you carry. Yeah. You think you are better off than anybody. Can you start it? John the Baptist, everybody is praising him. He says, look, the way you guys are celebrating me, wait, oh, somebody is coming here. Eh? Even his shoe, I'm not worthy to untie. That is the greatest example of humility. Esteem others better than yourself. In the eyes of the people, it looked like John was disgracing himself. But when Jesus came, he said that there's nobody greater than John. Because, you see, when you bring yourself down, God will always lift you up. When you bring yourself. By discarding your entitlement to your rights. Somebody say, discarding your entitlement to your rights. <laughs> this is an age of human rights. Gay rights. We have all. We are in a generation where people. We have all kinds of rights. Thank God for UNO, whose agenda was to bring us peace. But I think now they are bringing us confusion. Yeah. The agenda to bring peace, having failed at that agenda, particularly as it relates to Africa, now they are introducing other cancers that are likely to destroy us before time. When we open up to these useless rights that they have been preaching. Sooner than later, we will be consumed much faster than wars could consume us. Praise God. Gays. Gay rights. What are other rights? Child rights. Animal rights. Woman, wife rights. All kinds of things. And we see we have gender. We have brought all of these. Let me tell you. When you are a born again child of God, you have no rights. Your rights are to fulfill the righteousness of God. That's your rights. Any, any right of yours that does not fulfill the righteousness of God, forget it. Forget it. Oh, my husband, the way he's dealt me, I will show him that me too, I have right. Listen, if that right is not bringing about the fulfillment of the righteousness of God, forget it. You will get the right and offend God. And I don't know where you go with that. After you have gotten what you want, get the house. But God is not happy with you. Get the car. God is not happy with you. Where do you go? You have allowed somebody to control your life from his village somewhere. Instead of living your life by yourself. Can somebody give me an amen here? Amen. Discard your rights. When you are too conscious of your rights, people who are very conscious of their rights, they are very sensitive. The, the moment they are not, ah, they get offended. 
Very, very touchy. Listen, think low about your rights. When they give it to you, okay. If they don't give it to you, you are fine. I've been in meetings, driven hours for meetings, and they didn't even announce that I'm a pastor. And I got up and I drove my car and I came back. It didn't reduce me at all. Ten years down the line, I'm still preaching. I'm a pastor. I've not lost anything at all. But when it has entered you so much, so much. I've been to hotels and I don't even tell them I'm a pastor. Not because I have any evil mind. Praise God. Yeah, because I need to, I need to straighten that up. I was in one hotel in a crowd like that. And after I transited my, listen, uh, the woman looked at me and said, are you a man of God? I said, you said it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it. You said it. Praise God. You said it. You said it. There are people, when you introduce them, you call him law. He's annoying. Obey, he's annoying. Because you are a doctor. I didn't have the doctor. What is it? What is it? What is it? Pastors who have never gone to anywhere academically call themselves Reverend Professor Doctor. Yeah. Listen, you have a problem. Oh. You have a problem. Listen, titles simply tie you down. I realize, let me tell you, I realize that the people who are most influential usually they are titleless. When you are very influential, we, we don't know what kind of title to give you. Yeah, because you fit almost everywhere. That's it. Seek to excel. Don't seek to be entitled. Am I communicating? Seek to excel. Don't seek to be entitled. I remember many years ago, when our church was in the school, somebody came, he said he wanted to ordain me as a, 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 me as a bishop or something and give me a, what title was it? He said he wanted to give me a doctorate. I said, doctorate in a classroom. You're not correct. I'm pastoring a church in a classroom. Then he said, doctor. <laughs> By the way, I don't even believe in those honorary titles. No. It's great if you've earned it fine, but I, I believe that work for it. Praise God. Particularly in our age, people who have not worked for it are the ones who make noise about it most. Apostle, a prophet, oh yeah, secondary school class, reverend doctor, or so and so and so and so. And he's not even finished secondary school. May the Lord help us. Number four, by consciously and constantly taking the position of a servant. Somebody say constantly. Take the position of a servant. If there is one position in life not many people fight for, it's the position of a servant. And that is a place that you can also rise quickly. Because the Bible said, the greatest among you will be your servant. So rather than seeking to become the greatest, seek to become the servant. Praise God. Seek to, seek to be the servant. When you become the servant in God's eyes, you are the greatest. When the disciples of Jesus were walking around with him, one of the things they used to argue about was who was the greatest. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 35, New Living Translation. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in his house, Jesus asked his disciples, Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 35, please. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And they arrived at Capernaum and settled. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? Dead silence. But they didn't answer. Because they had been arguing about them, which was the greatest. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest preacher? 
Who is the greatest lawyer? Who is the greatest businessman? Who is the greatest husband? Who is the greatest this? That's all. People's minds are overwhelmed with these issues. Go. He sat down and called the 12 disciples over him and said, whoever wants to be first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Somebody say, that's the kingdom agenda. If you have to join the queue, join the queue. It doesn't reduce your position. Join the queue. Join the queue. The reason why we have a lot of corruption in our country is that people don't want to join queue. They use their titles and their connections to influence other people negatively. That's it. Join the queue. If protocol demands that you are exempted, that's fine. But don't go to a place and you uh, uh, um, so so and so. And you are doing that simply because you don't want to join a queue. Is it not always better that when you go to a place, Jesus said, where you are invited to a dinner, don't announce who you are. Just go and sit amongst them. And then when they discover who you are, they will call you and bring you to the top. He said, it's better that you are picked from the bottom and taken to the top. Then you go and assume that place. You go there, you tell them, oh, I'm uh, Dr. So-and-so. I'm uh, Barista So-and-so. <laughs> I'm um, administrator, so and so. I want to listen. Then they say, Oh, okay, come. You are Dr. So and so. What you don't know is that Professor So and so is coming. <laughs> and when Professor So and so comes, your doctoral, they say, will not matter. They will reduce you. So you go and sit down. <laughs> After five minutes, Professor So and so comes. Eh, and by the time you realize everybody around is a professor, that the only doctor, please find your level. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Learn to join a queue. One scripture humbles me a lot, and that's Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 16. Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 13. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him. Look at this. Jesus joined the queue to come and be baptized. And when he got there, John forbid him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. Verse 15. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is befitting for us to fulfill righteousness, if this so allowed. Go to verse 16. And when he had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. Jesus did not refuse John to announce him. And when he submitted himself... By humility, God himself announced him. Which announcement do you want? That of John or the one from above? If John even used microphone to shout, not everybody will hear him. But when God speaks from heaven, this is my beloved son. Anywhere anybody is, the person will hear him. Anywhere. Anywhere. Humble yourself. Jesus, a sinless savior, joined the queue of sinners. And he was in the queue. Waiting his turn to be baptized by a sinner. But it was required. Some of us, when just established protocol, wait small. You can't simply. Ah, I mean, how can I be hanging around with these small, small? Some people even come to church and they feel we are too small, small for them to be here. I'm telling you. I, mean, I don't want to be in a church that the pastor I'm older than. Listen, don't go to a hospital with a doctor who you are older than. When you are sick, Inject yourself. When you need surgery, do it yourself. Yeah, do it yourself. Because most of the doctors who handle your case, you are older than them. Praise God. 
Praise God. Arrogance. Number five. These are practical ways to uh, clothe yourself with what? Humility. Obey God by obeying God at all times, no matter the cost. The reason why a lot of people don't obey God is pride. Oh. It's pride. It's pride. It's pride. Imagine Bruce. Bruce has offended me. Eh? And uh, God says, I should forgive him. Right? Is that not what God says? Uh-huh. But Bruce has not come to me to apologize. Because he has offended me. What he know, you know, it's really bad. He must actually come to my before me and kneel down before my pastors and really apologize. Let people know that he that's what Bruce is supposed to do. Bruce is not willing to do it. God says, I should forgive him. When I'm humble, I take the position to forgive Bruce, whether he comes to apologize or not. In obedience to who? God. But when you refuse to forgive him because you want your sometimes by the time. People do the things we want to do. We have already collected the praise. So God doesn't reward us anymore. Because the reward is a person coming to kneel before you and let everybody know. Praise God. Yeah. Unforgiveness eh, is one of the biggest proofs of pride. Yeah, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest proofs of pride. People who don't want to forgive and hold on to things and they want to use it to condemn and destroy people. It's one of the biggest signs of pride. Because one, you, your sins were too many. God forgave you. So what right do you have not to forgive another person? And it's not like you are perfect today. It's today that you seem to have, you are, you are okay. Tomorrow, you may offend somebody big time. And you will need the person's forgiveness. So why are you making it look like you have something? Praise God. You need God's forgiveness every day. And somebody needs your forgiveness in three minutes or uh, one hour. And you are withholding it from the person. Pride. Obey God. Somebody say, obey God. Amen. Jesus demonstrated his humility through obedience. Philippians chapter 5. He said, let this man be you. Who being in the form of God, taught in no robbery. Go to verse number 8, King James. Verse 7. Verse 7, King James, please. Who being in the form of God, taught in no robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient unto death. Death. You see, when you obey God, eh, you can't obey God without something dying in you. Every time you obey God, something dies in you. And one of the things that dies is pride. It's pride. When you do what God is supposed to, imagine your wife has said something nasty. And for three days you are not talking. And the Holy Spirit comes to you. Go and talk to the woman. That's obedience. The Holy Spirit goes... Your pride must first die before you go and say, honey, how are you doing? It not be so. Yeah, because your right is telling you that, you know, get away. That's what your natural mind tells you. Listen, what is, what is that nonsense? It's nonsense because God's word does not say so. The word of God does not say so. When you do what God says you should do, eh, you don't lose hope. That is what a lot of people don't know. People who walk in pride and disobedience is because they think they are smarter than God. Because when God says, do this, tight, you say, I want tight. God says, forgive, you say, you forgive. You are simply saying, you are smarter than God. And the proof that you are most foolish is to think that you are smarter than God. 
Am I communicating somebody at all? Yeah, because he's the one who created you. He's the one who gave you the wisdom that now has become so corrupted that you are thinking that you are wiser than him. Hey. Obedience. 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 Even if it's not a message, I'm preaching it. So it has to be a message. It has to be a message. Praise God. I just pray that God will give us a heart to live it out. Praise God. Yeah. The subject of pride is not a subject that is easy to preach. Because nobody is above it. The temptation to be proud is not a, a church member's problem as much as it's a pastor's problem. Everybody has it. And until we admit it and deal with it, we cannot rise. Number six, by submitting yourself to every God-ordained authority. Clothe yourself with humility by submitting yourself to every God-ordained authority. Somebody say, every God-ordained authority. You see, pride is usually seen in three ways. Somebody say three ways. Pride is usually seen in three ways. One, how you relate to those who are higher than you. Two, how you relate to people who are on the same level with you. And how you relate to people who are lower than you. If somebody is proud, you will see it. How he relates, by all means, if you don't see it in the way he relates to people who are higher than him, you will see it in the way he relates to people who are on the same level with him. When he meets his colleagues, he let them know that he has gone ahead in life. Yeah. You guys, we were classmates, but in life there are no mates. You can see my car. You can know that you are not mates. Who, who can tell by the size of my house, my accomplishment at my age, and you? When you tell somebody we're classmates, who do you think will believe you? By submitting yourself to every God-ordained authority. In the home, God has ordained authority. In the church, God has ordained authority. In your house, God has ordained authority. At workplace, God has ordained authority. You go to work and somebody is there because she's a woman and you are a man. When she gives orders, you flout it. Listen, put away that timber of pride on your shoulder. Because it's pride is nothing but pride. You come to church, somebody is in the choir. You are a banker. This one is an SS lever. But this one is the leader of the choir. So you want people to know I'm a banker, you are an SS lever. You can't give me orders. You see, pride, eh? Is what you are manifesting. And very soon, it will destroy you completely. You come to church, pastor may be younger than you. But he's the one God has ordained as the pastor of the church. He says, lift up your hands. Listen, you see, the moment you are not ready to be like a child, you get offended like being like a child. Pride is eating you up. Praise God. Pride is eating you up. Somebody is leading worship. He says, let's lift up our hands. And your hands are down. You see, because you think you are something. But let's stroke, eat your hands up. Even when they want to help you lift it up, you can't lift it up. Every God-ordained authority. Somebody say, every God-ordained authority. A humble person submits themselves to every God-ordained authority. If you want to know how proud a person is, see how they respond to authority. Because usually... Authority will always cause you to do something you don't like to do. And it is usually when we are told to do things we don't like to do that our pride comes in conflict. When you are given instructions, sit, and you, want to, you already want to lie on this puppet, and I say sit on it, you will lie. And by your lying, it can be tempted to see as uh, But in your heart, you have been wanting to lie on the altar. But if I te now tell you, get up from your seat and sit on the floor. Ah. I suffer. I'll be big country, man. What, what, what is he trying to say? 
And I'll pursue a good many Am I communicating here? Submitting yourself to every God-ordained authority. You are married. Your husband is dead. You fight him on every issue. Woman, don't say your husband doesn't know how to talk. You have pride. Admit it and deal with it. Because you also have a boss in your office who doesn't know how to talk. And when he talks, you don't like it. Your face is squeezed, but you still go and do it anyway. What makes that place different from your home? Am I communicating here? And number seven. Number seven. Wow. By living consciously as a steward and not an owner. If you want to walk in humility and deal with pride, see yourself as a steward, never an owner. Let your ownership mentality leave you. See it. The Bible says in the book of John 3, verse 27, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. Everything you have, your position now in the office, your profession, your status as a specialist, whoever you are now, that business you have built from scratch to that status, everything you have is because it was given to you. Others started it many years before he started it. It didn't succeed. Not of him that willeth, nor him that ran a God that showed mercy. The Bible said, what makes you differ from another? And what is it that you have you didn't receive? Thank God you have become a CEO. But the intelligence that you have, it came from somewhere else. The teachers who taught you, God put them on your path. The mentors who guided your path, God brought them your way. Everything we have, we are all beneficiaries of grace. Am I communicating? So by the time you begin to act like you own something, that was the problem of the rich fool. He looked at his assets, he said, ah, I've made it. Everybody is lower, I'm up. God said, listen, you owe all the things you have, but your life, you don't owe it. I owe your life and I'm taking it this minute because your insolence has reached my office. He lost it. You won't lose it in Jesus' name. Nebuchadnezzar, see this Babylon I have built. God said, you have built, keep it. You have built, keep it, Letty. That's how he lost it. You won't lose what God has given you. I said, you won't lose what God has given you. Number eight, by acknowledging your limitations and commending the abilities of others. Acknowledge your limitations. Acknowledge it. You are not perfect. You don't have it all together. Bishop Oedipo said, there are no all-rounders in life. Everybody who is a specialist is a specialist in a field. Everybody who is a specialist is a specialist in a field. There is no general specialist. There can be general practitioners, but there are no general specialists. You are a specialist in a field. In the book of Romans, we are told that having gifts, therefore, differing according to the grace of God. Whatever we are assigned to do, we should do it with simplicity and with humility. Yeah. Give credit to others when they deserve it. Peter was the pillar upon which the church was built. But he was speaking and said, the wisdom has given uncommon wisdom to Paul. If somebody will refer to Peter, you wouldn't think that, uh, that somebody will refer to Paul, you wouldn't think Peter would do that. Because this is the pillar. The church was founded upon him. He was everything, but he referred to him. John the Baptist, he said, there's one who is greater than me. When all Judah and Jerusalem came to him, learned to commend others. A proud person doesn't make you know that he also learns from somewhere. When you meet a proud pastor, he has no mentor. He has no spiritual father. Praise God. Because he's self-made. Another Elisha the Teshibite has been born. It's not anywhere. You meet a proud business person, he's self-made. He didn't learn anything from anywhere. Listen, 
you can never go far by, without learning from others. Praise God. Because there is nothing you are trying to do that is new. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says what is done is what shall be done. And what is it shall ever be for there is nothing new under the heavens. Nothing. Everything you are doing, other people have done it long before you came. So humble yourself and learn from them. Praise God. Know what you are gifted with. Know what others are gifted with. And give them the opportunity and the credit when the time is you. Praise God. Praise God. That's number, number eight. Number nine. By acknowledging and celebrating continuously the grace of God rather than your efforts. Celebrate it. That's why we dance in church. Oh. That's why I can sing worship and cry. Because I don't see anything of myself. Apostle Paul was speaking. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the grace of God which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Nevertheless, I labored more abundantly than they, yet not I by the grace of God. I met a woman, a very prominent woman in this city this week. Very, very loaded. If I mention her name now, you will know her. Went to her place and we interacted with her. And in the about 10 or 15 minutes, we chatted with her. Every conversation, every commendation I gave her, she responded, I adum, I adum, I adum. There, when I left the office, I knew that this is why the woman is rising. Other people think it's something else. But right from there, people commend you. Ah, this is a glorious church by the grace of God. This is a very beautiful attire by the grace of God. You see, it doesn't, you don't lose anything because whatever you are, if you are really something, it can only be by the grace of God. When you are nothing, then you can be seeing yourself. But when you are something, you can see that it is coming from God. Because it is not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. I close with this. If you are going to walk in humility and overcome pride, be mindful at all times about the end of man. Always. Always. Do you know me? Do you know who I am? Do you know where I stay? Do you know the school I attended? Do you know the car I drive? Mr. Man. Madam Woman. We don't know you. The school you attended, we don't know. The car you drive, we don't know. And we want you to know, when you are dying, carry those cars with you. <laughs> carry those certificates with you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Always be mindful about the end of man. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing. What is it that you have that's eating you up? Can be instructed, can be corrected, can be counseled, can be rebuked. What is it that you have? Car. What kind of car is it? Because whatever car you drive, somebody is driving a superior one. Yeah. If you have a plane, there are planes that are better than the one you have. Yeah. And upon everything, when you die, not a single one of them can follow you. Job spoke. He said, naked came out from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. He said, we brought nothing into this world. The degree that makes you talk as if you are a thermometer. Yeah. You only carry a degree. The thermometer is full of degrees. You just carry one. And it may be first or second. But it so entered you. When you are speaking to people who have not gone to school, it's as if they are just coming from the bush. That thing. The Bible says, what is it that you... You can't carry anything out. They don't bury people with their certificates. They don't bury them with their cars. In fact, if you want to even be buried in dignity, don't carry anything valuable with you to your grave. Do you know the graves that people assume? 
they are the graves that has valuables inside. You bury some, somebody with gold, the next morning you see that his body is on the street. And pigs are eating it up. He's lost his dignity in the grave. Why? Because valuables don't bury it. Whatever you have, God gave it to you. Always be mindful. The professor, the illiterate, the carpenter, and the fashion designer, the doctor, and the tailor. When they all die, they have one place. The earth and the grave. That's where all of us are going to end. And when you think about it, when you go to the monastery, they don't know a professor from a, a musician. They can't tell a pastor from a prophet. All are the same. Praise God. And sometimes the way some poor people even die is even with dignity and honor than some, the way some rich people die. The grave is the even. is the denominator all of us have. Humble yourself because whether you like it or not, that's where you end. I pray that God will give you understanding. And I pray that this word you have received all through this month, this word will stay with you forever. In the name of Jesus. May the grace to walk in obedience accompany you today. In the name of Jesus. In your lifetime, if people are using, men are using adjectives to describe people, may pride not be one of those. May pride not be one of those. May you be boldly be able to say like Jesus said, for I am meek and lowly, and you find rest for your soul. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Put your hand on your heart. Once again, we ask for a new heart. Spirit of God, you are already in our heart. The capacity to love, the capacity to work in humility is in us. We make a conscious decision today that we express your love in all humility and in all meekness. Thank you, Spirit of God, that that is the realm we walk in. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. our destiny of greatness shall find expression. Amen. Nothing shall be able to extinguish our influence. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we walk on our high places on the earth. Why? Because blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Thank you that our inheritance is ours. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Let me hear a believing amen. amen. Let me hear a louder amen. amen. Jam your hands together for the Lord and please take your seat. Pastor Fuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victories success and limitless prosperity to get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by pastor fuakwa please call 0540-122-670 or 0204-225-790 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com get interactive with pastor fuakwa on facebook and twitter you can also visit our website at www.faithhouse chapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumasi, Ghana. God richly bless you. <laughs>